You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. While you're there, download our free mobile app. There's a ton of great resources, an online community that you can be a part of, a digital Bible so you can follow along. And if you are listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave a five-star review because let's be honest, that lets people know that this is a good use of time. We only have a certain amount of minutes and hours in a day, right? But it is always, always a good time to study the Word of God. And the whole premise of the 1% is what? We take about 1% of our day, right? And we dive in and we just empower ourselves to go forward to the remaining part of your day. And that's what I hope. I hope that this uh, study on a daily basis is a blessing to you and empowers you to go out and be everything that God called you to be. So we are at the end of Matthew chapter 12. I feel like this is the uh, type of chapter where you take it bit by bit. And let's be honest, there's a lot going on in this chapter. Jesus is getting a lot of flack and uh, it's been going, but it's really ratcheting up here. Uh, he is being blamed for picking grain on the Sabbath, healing on the Sabbath. They're saying you're casting out demons using other demons. And Jesus just every single time puts it back on them. And by them, I mean the religious leaders of that time. They didn't want things to change. They were happy where they were. They were happy standing on the street corners and having people say, well, look how holy that guy is. You know, they love the attention. Uh, but they really wanted to cling to the old covenant in the temple. And to be honest, a lot of things got uh, got pretty dead when it came to the faith standpoint. And that's why they were about probably 400 years in before since they had a real move of God. But then here comes Jesus on the scene. And now he is changing everything. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they want to condemn people for everything from their sins to what they do on the Sabbath to uh, to their their sicknesses. They would tell the lepers, you know, stay away. You have to scream unclean. And what would Jesus do? Jesus would go right to them. Okay. Jesus would go to them in the midst of their sin, of their struggle and their sickness. And he would set them free because that's what Jesus does. Those who Christ sets free are free indeed. Okay. So, so yesterday we talked about what happens when we look to evict the things in our life, the sins in our life, the misfortunes and the things that keep tripping us up in our life. And uh, we talked about what it meant when they try to come back. Right. And we equated it using Jesus's parable to a house. Right. When a spirit leaves a person, it's like being expelled from a house and what that thing will do. Right. It, it will seek to come back. And we talked about how, you know, some people look at demons from like a personified perspective. And what we what we can agree on is that it is a uh, manifestation of something that is not of God. And he's telling these Pharisees that basically this is this is what it's going to be like for you. And it says that when something is expelled from you, it could be anything, could be lust, could be addiction, could be anger, could be you name it. 
it'll try to come back and it'll try to bring seven of its friends and leave you worse off. Why? Because if you commit something like lust and then you try to put it away and then it comes back and you fall to it again, you're, we talked about the example of now you're dealing with not only lust, but you know, shame, uh, unforgiveness, um, doubt and, and all these other things. Right. So that's how we left off yesterday in terms of, and I, I hope that blessed you. If you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it because I think it is really a, uh, a, a good look at what it means to deal with the evil and the demonic, both in our life and in this world. Right. We are not, um, <clears throat> we are not, uh, captive to some, you know, force that is, is after us. We, I really think we misunderstand the demonic a bit and we forget that in Hebrews, it says that the devil himself was rendered useless by the cross, that that adversary, which a lot of times, which every time we let into our life, to be honest with you, if we believe that scripture, that he was rendered useless by the cross, that means that he's got no power over us except that in which we allow. And we see when Jesus was sitting before Pilate and Pilate says, I could do this to you. He says, you can't do anything to me unless I let it happen, unless you're given the authorization from God. Well, you and I have the authorization whether or not to allow certain things into our life. So we're going to close Matthew chapter 12 now with uh, Jesus trying to get some rest you know, he's been through a lot. He finally gets to a house. And we're actually going to incorporate a little bit of Matthew, uh, Mark, excuse me, chapter three, because it's a parallel story there. And it gives us some more context. Um, so Jesus is trying to kick back. And for those of us that are in ministry, for those of us that are parents, uh, for those of us that uh, are in any capacity where others are dependent upon us, you know, sometimes uh, we can relate here where it seems like there is no rest for the weary, but it is worth it, right? To sow into others. Let's talk, let's see what Jesus is doing here. Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 48. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak with him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him. This is verse 48. Start a little bit earlier. Who is my mother and my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and sister. I'm sorry, is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. That though them is some strong words. Now you may be listening to this, and so far I think we've gone through Matthew 12, and we're like, Yeah, Jesus, tell them what they can do on the Sabbath. To, you know, call them out and say, Hey, if one of your animals fell in a hole on the Sabbath, you know, which one of you would would uh, would not pick them up? Call them hypocrites. But here's where we start getting a little uncomfortable for ourselves, right? Jesus's mother, brothers, sister family there and they want to talk to him and he points and he says i'm surrounded already about by my mother and my brothers and my sisters he is making a distinction so you might be asking yourself why is jesus disrespecting his family and i'm here to tell you that he is not 
He is not. And we're going to unpack this a little bit. Understand this. Drawing close to God will never cause you to love someone else less. Going to say that again. Drawing closer to God will never cause you to love somebody less. But it will always give you the capacity, truthfully, to love others more. See, we go by the concept that blood is thicker than water. Okay? And in many cases, that is true. There should be nobody closer to you than those that are in your family. Okay? Jesus is pointing out here that nothing is stronger than the Spirit. And when he says that he is surrounded by his family, although his blood relatives are outside the house, and we know it is a house because we'll read uh, Mark chapter 3, he is not disrespecting his family one bit. He is showing that the capacity that you have in your life to open your heart to love others goes beyond the boundaries of blood, goes beyond all boundaries. In the Greek, there are a couple words for love. The first one is eros. That's where we get the word erotic. Okay, That is an emotional type of love. In our society, we use the word love in so many different ways. Right. I, lo- I love this pizza place. I love the New York Islanders, which I, I, I do. But I don't love the New York Islanders like I love my wife. That would be crazy. I don't love pizza like I love my kids. That's crazy. And the types of love we can point to are eros, erotic. We can figure out what kind of love that is. That's an emotional love. That's you do for me and I, and I will love you in return. Very conditional. There's two kinds of love in the middle, right? There is uh, philia, I think it is. It's where we get Philadelphia. That's a brotherly love. That's a friendship type of love. That is, I will do for you, you do for me. We're a bit one big community, you know, that type of thing. And then there's storge or storge. That's a family love. And we love our family. We should. And sometimes we love our family because we have to, right? Uh, and that's uh, that's an interesting dynamic in itself. But the, all the loves that I have pointed out here, they're basically, they have a limit. The love that we see when we see love is patient, love is kind. It holds, it holds no records of wrongs. When we see God is love. When we see God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that those who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That love in the Greek is agape. That is a perfect love. That is an unconditional love. And why do I go there? Is because when you start to operate in that type of love, it's it's really not about you. It's about being God through you. It's about loving people through even their mess. And when we are in a society where there's agape love going on, you love people through their mess. They love people through your mess. People love you through your mess. But I want to just come back here to this room because Jesus is just trying to kick back a little bit. I'm going to go to Mark chapter three, which is a parallel story. Normally, I don't like to do this, but this is gives us such good context for the scenario. It says, then Jesus entered a house. And again, a crowd gathered. Same story here. 
so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. These poor guys and, and you know, girls there, not even able to eat. And those of us in ministry know sometimes you're just sitting down, putting your feet up and the phone rings and you take the call. You want to know why? Because the call on your life is bigger than your comfort. It's bigger than your hunger. It's bigger than what you feel. There's a greater way. And when you want to pursue God, sometimes you're going to have to push through your feelings. But let's watch the dynamic of what's really going on here. It says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. So we see a little bit different angle here from Mark. It says, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Okay, so we already know that. We're looking at the account of Mark here. Mark puts it in a little bit different order. But let's go back to the family where the family looks at everything that's going on and says, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is out of his mind. Come on, get your brothers. We're going to get them. And they go to the house and they look to get Jesus out. But Jesus isn't having it. Jesus is the perfect example. And I'm not saying push your family away, not by any stretch, not even close. But a lot of times the people that are closest to you, okay, the people that are closest to us have the greatest capacity to hurt us. The people that are closest to us often have the greatest capacity to hurt us because they know us better than anyone else. They were there at the best of times. They were there at the worst of times. And thank God for that. And most of the time, I think in this case, this is absolutely the case. They're not trying to hurt us. Sometimes those closest to us are just trying to protect us. Now, we know about Jesus's brother, James. We know that he went back to do the signs and wonder, wonders in his own neighborhood, and people were ragging on him for that, right? And that's where he says a prophet's word is void in his own backyard, right? A lot of times you will go back to your family, and they'll say exactly what Jesus's family said here. You're nuts. What are you doing? And in this case, they're saying, you're going all over the countryside, you're making all the religious leaders angry. These guys, don't you know, they can throw you in jail. They can arrest you. They can stone you if you say the wrong thing. What are you doing? And they go to get Jesus. I believe that they were there to help, to tell him, hey, stop it. Tone it down. Can you, Or at least, hey, can you tone it down a little bit? But when there's a mission on your life, it's hard to tone it down. And I'm telling you today that if you pursue God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and you really pursue the call that is on your life, you are going to make some people uncomfortable. Some people that don't want to see you succeed, Pharisees. And then some people who love you so much, they don't want you to get hurt. It's called the Missio Dei. It's called the mission of God. And what Jesus is exhibiting here is not less love for his family because of the calling on his life. He's got great love for his family. 
but he knew the mission on his life is to be everything that he was called to be here on this earth. And he also knew that his pursuit of that, because it was God ordained, was the best thing that could happen for his family. And I want to say that is the case for you. The world around you, including those closest to you, are waiting for you to be everything that God called you to be. Most people are waiting for you to do it so that they can believe that they can do it. Most people don't want you to do it because they don't think that they can do it. I think of the story of Roger Bannister, right? Have you ever heard of that story? A guy that um, was saying he was going to run a mile in in four minutes. And there were scientists and doctors and everybody saying, hey, that's impossible. Actually, your body will fail. But you know what? He did it. And then after he did it, thousands of other people did it. And people do it all the time. now. It takes somebody to break the barrier. That's what Jesus is doing here. He stepped foot. God came down in the form of a human being and showed people what it was like to break the barrier of the natural and to live in the supernatural of the kingdom of God. And you have the opportunity to do that in this generation. When everybody else is hating on each other, when everybody else is panicking and worrying, when everybody else feels helpless and weak and they can't do this and the end is this, the end is near, you have the ability to break the barrier and say, nope, not me. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. And if God's for me, who can be successful against me? You have the opportunity, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5, to walk out the ministry of reconciliation, to realize that you are reconciled unto God and you've got nothing holding you back. And what? Now you share it with others. It says that we are ambassadors for him. And because we're ambassadors, we speak for the king. So that's what I want to charge you with. And I love the last part. Although it sounds brash, it's really not how he points to all the disciples. And he says, this is my family. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He's just exhibiting what we all know. Now, or we should, or we're learning here. Yes, your family, your blood relatives, In many cases, your first ministry is to care for those around you, but not at the expense of what God wants you to do in your life. Because God will never have you love somebody less. God will never have you destroy somebody else because of his calling on your life. So I charge you today, church, in the name of Jesus, to seek out the calling that is on your life. And the reason why I love that last part is because I've I've come to know at Sound of Heaven and in my life and in my ministry, I love my family. I love my blood relatives. I will die for them. And if you're watching, I know a lot of you watch this now, I will flat out die for you. But God has also put some amazing people in my life that I'm doing life with. And we have to realize that, you know, blood is thicker than water. Yes, it is. But there's a greater love that's out there, that agape love that can only really be experienced through the Holy Spirit. And when we realize that we are all connected by the same spirit, that you're watching me or you're listening to me over some platform, but you and I, we're connected. 
by the same spirit. That's why you can be on the other side of the world and I can be here. And we can both impact the world for the kingdom of God together. And that's a beautiful thing. So surround yourself with awesome people that you can do life with. Never compromise your, the call on your life. We're doing a sermon series preaching called Answering the Call on Your Life. You can check it out at soh.church. And if there's anything that I'm passionate about, it's letting people know that they have options in this world that are beyond anything that they could ever imagine. That at the end of what you can do, you see you have limitations by yourself, but at the end of you begins the infinite possibility of everything that God can do. So find people around you. Let it be me. Let it be us here listening to this podcast, watching on the live stream. Let's stay connected. Let's edify one another. Let's encourage one another. But above all, let's honor God together. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you that you bring us together. Who is my mother, my brother, my sister, but all of you here studying with me, your family to me. And I love you when I say it. I know somebody recently, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Somebody recently put on Apple Music that they love when I say I love you at the end. And I really mean it. I do. So let's stick together because there's some times ahead and people are going to want to hear the hope that is inside of us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, help us to be the light to everyone around us. I pray that you bring a unity in the church like we haven't seen before. A unity that allows us to navigate the tough times in this world, to be a light to others, to let people know that there is a better way, there is a truth, and there is an eternal life, and it is through you, Jesus. We honor you today. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at soh.church. We are going to start Matthew chapter 13 over the next couple of days. So tune in. We're getting into the parables of Jesus. You're listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for what? 1% of our day? Head out to the 99 to do something amazing. Get out there and do something for Christ's sake.